theyeshiva.net. Uh, good morning to everybody. Good morning. We're going to continue inside. Three lines from the bottom. Page Mem Vav. Right, Viadaita Moskva, Viadaita Tofresh Nun Zion. So after bringing the Gemara and Sanhedrin and, and Rashi's explanation that there's, there's, there are certain, there's a certain depth that cannot be expressed in words. So, so he finishes, the ultimate, the amit is the ultimate truth, the pnimius, the full depth of the kavana, of the intention, of the of the truth that they're they're becoming aware of, or they're experiencing, cannot be expressed, manifested in Isis, only an external part of it. And thus, this gives us some understanding. When we speak Lamaila, Lamaila means when we want to understand the way it works in terms of the entire structure of the universe by Hashem, that whenever we speak about Kalim vessels, which come from Shem Elikim, so even though on one level they are Megala, they reveal, they access, they channel, they manifest, but what is it? It's only the chitzonius. It's the more external dimension of the energy, where the pnimius, the inner, and atzmius, the core etzem is the, the, the essence, the quintessence of the oymis alim behem, simultaneously is concealed in the vessel. This can be understood as well from the faculties of the soul that are manifested in the Avery Haguf, in the organs, in the limbs of the body. The power of the mind, which is enclosed in the physical brain. As we said earlier, that the brain is a keli for the mind. You'll have the kaya the power, the faculty of vision, is manifested in the physical eye. The physical eye is made up, the chemistry, the physiological chemistry of the eye is one that is a keli that contains and manifests the kaya the power of vision. Chuli, etc. You can go through all of the faculties of the soul that are manifested in the various limbs, organs, and functions of the person or any org- any living organism that exists in our world. And that is really, as we said before, that is the function of the keli, to contain, to be a keli. Keli means you're a makabal, you're a vessel for the air, and you, uh, you channel it, it functions through you, it's revealed, it's revealed through you. It's not that the faculty of reason or awareness or understanding is born in the soul after it comes into the body, after it comes into the mind. The koyach, the faculty of seichel, the ability of seichel, of awareness, and all cognitive abilities that we call seichel, the mind, exist 
in the soul before it comes into the physical mind. The power of vision, the faculty of vision, re'iya means seeing, exists before the soul is actually manifested in the physical organism, in the physical eye. But v'sham over there, they're in a much loftier, more sublime state than they are once they're manifested and expressed only through these physical organs. Nonetheless, the power of re'iya, of vision in the soul, can't give you the functioning, the functional ability to see something outside of you, which was what our eye does, the miracle of the eye, to be able to see. To give me the function of vision the way I have it today, once it's functioning through the physical eye. The same is true in the mind. It doesn't have the ability to be able to do the functioning that it does now when it has the physical mind, even though it's much higher. So there's certain things that it lacks. That physical vision you need the eye for. Is there a concept of vision in the soul without the eye? Yeah, we speak sometimes about seeing. A soul sees, but it's a different type of seeing. The mind is not dependent on the body. Even after a person passes away, right? or even sometimes the function of the mind, the, body, the function of the brain itself is severely compromised. So what's lacking is the way we experience life now through our brains and through our eyes. But the very concept of these koiches exists without that in a higher way, and yet they can't function in these ways which is what the physical organism does. The two concepts are dependent on each other. The soul, before it comes into the body, also has a kayach ha-seichel. All the faculties that we speak about exist in the soul independent of the body. But over there, you have the ur without the keli. What he calls an ur atzmi, an essential light and energy. And you know what? As a result of this lack of manifestation in the keli, it can't understand things that we understand here. Our brain channels and access to Seichel in a particular limited way, which our brain and every person's brain, according to its chemistry and its makeup, has the power to get. So he says, generally we understand Haskalah's Gashmis. All understanding that relates to physical matter and physical reality, there we have Seichel. We have excellent Seichel. It's Vinitfasa Begeshem. It's ideas that somehow could be grasped through material, through the material, through the material brain, and through the material person. What is what does koyach haseichel look like without a physical brain? What does koyach haseichel look like in a soul before a person is born, or after a person leaves the body, or chas v'shalom? If you know today, there's a lot of studies about people who physically are brain dead, and yet when it happens in those unique situations that a person comes back, somehow they were aware of a lot of things, even when everybody thought. They were not aware. 
what type of koyach haseichel is that? He says, hasog is the ganeid. When we talk about what's hasog is the ganeid, it's a different way of understanding things. It's also understanding, it's also awareness. But it's a type of awareness that is completely in a different wavelength. He calls it askolus ruchnis. It's to be able to really appreciate pristine spiritual truth. The power of vision, what does it see? It can't see the physical. It doesn't have an eye. It needs the keli to be able to function a particular way. But it sees. It sees plenty. It sees maybe more. But what it sees is, it sees the spirituality of everything. Once these oiris, the oir haseichel, the oir hariyah, the oir hashmiyah, whatever the koyach is, becomes enclosed in a keli. What's the keli in this case? The physical organism, the avri haguf, the organs of the body. What happens now is two things happen. It becomes concealed and it becomes revealed. Meaning, the oir atzmi, the essential quality of the oir, which the keli completely is not a keli for, it's not a vessel for, is concealed. What the keli does reveal and allow us actually to have is what he calls the chitzayni yisha'er, the external dimension of all these koiches, which will express itself, for example, in seeing somebody else. It will translate the oir according to its chemistry, and since it's physical, so now it accesses from the oir what it could access according to its dimensions, and that's what it helps and creates that functionality in the person. So does, does the guf conceal the nefesh, or does the guf reveal the nefesh? And the answer is both. It reveals in the sense that's exactly how we access our life, through the guf, through the kalim. It's the kalim that allow the entire ur to be manifested, to be channeled, to be transmitted, to be functional. In that sense, the kalim are the ultimate megala. They're the ultimate containers that reveal it, that manifest it, that bring it out. Without the kalim, you have no access to the ur. We don't have access in a shama without a body. We don't have the five senses. Don't grasp it. I can't see. I can't see a loved one. A loved one leaves the world. I can't see him. I can't hear him. I can't smell. I can't touch. I can't taste physically, which is how we define gachmis. It's grasped through one of the five senses. If I could touch it, if I could see it, if I could taste it, if I could smell it, if I can hear it, it exists. If not, it doesn't exist. We call it ayin. It's it's. It's not, but what does it mean it doesn't exist? It doesn't exist according to the kalim that I have. Right? The kalim that I have don't allow me to detect the existence. They don't allow me. I access the nefesh through the kalim. It's a different type of oil. It's a different type of energy. It's not access through the kalim. In many ways, it's concealed. On the other hand, it's more revealed. But because it's more revealed, if I have no access to it, because I only have access to it through my kalim, which accesses your kalim. So this is a very subtle idea of how the body impacts the soul. It reveals it, of course it reveals it. It allows it to be in this world and to function. Every part of the body has its unique, magical structure created by the Rebbeinu Shalalim to allow the soul to be manifested and live according to the, of the function of all of the organs of the body corresponding to a particular oil of the nefesh, beginning with the most central, of course, which is the brain, which contains everything, the central nervous system. The Zehu Klal Gadol. He says, this is not just a clown, this is a Klal Gadol. 
Maseches Shabbos and Shabbos, you have the difference of Klal and Klal Godel. Klal Godel Amru. Zeu Klal Godel. This is a Klal Godel. This is a big principle when it comes to all spiritual thought. Shekol Gilui Ha'etzem Hu Helem Legabe Hazulus. Vehelem Ha'atzmi Hu Gilui Legabe Hazulus. Whenever there's the Gilui of Etzem, whenever the core comes out, Whenever the core, the etzem, is misgala, is revealed, is manifested, it translates in helem legabe hazulus. Concealment for somebody else. Whenever the core is concealed, it translates in revelation for somebody else. How do you translate hazulus? Hazulus means the other. The other. The external, something outside of yourself. Within yourself, there's also hazulus, Right? But the concept of Zulus means, in, in Hebrew, it means somebody outside of you. Somebody external to you. So he says, Kol gilui ha'etzem. Whenever the etzem emerges, whenever the core is misgala, it's helem legabe hazulus. What does it mean for the other? Concealment. Whenever the etzem goes into concealment, what does it mean for the other? Revelation. <laughs> it's revelation. That's a klal gadol. What's the Havana of this? When there's Gilui Ha'etzim, what do we mean Gilui Ha'etzim? Gilui Ha'etzim means the absolute truth of something comes out in its ultimate pnimius, in its ultimate core. So it's Helem Legabe Hazulus. For the other one, for the outside, it translates into concealment because he or she does not have the Kalim, the vessels, to be able to experience it. So therefore, that gilui, which on one level of etzem is the greatest gilui, on another level is translated as concealment. On the other hand, when there's helema atzmi, when the etzem is concealed, for the zulus, this is gilui. This is refreshing. This is revelation. Because this, I can access. This is manifested in my world. This is something that I have the capacity to contain. So this is the Klal Gadl. Gilu Yatsmi. Helam Lagabe Hazulus. Helam Atsmi is Gilu Lagabe Hazulus. In everything, it's within a person relative to himself. The more the Etsim comes out, the more the Helam in that which is outside of the Etsim. And it's talking and the other way as well. And it's true. And of course, also with others. Zulus means anything outside of the Etsim. Zulus means anything outside of the core. It seems like. Seems like when someone when uh, someone has more of the etzem, you know, being exposed to them, they would be able to see the outside better, rather than have it. Yeah, no, we're not talking about them seeing it. We're talking about how the other experiences it. I'll give you an example to make to make it clear, and we'll see quite a few examples later. But just give a general example to make the idea clear. I gave this metaphor probably one day, and not probably, I gave this metaphor a few times. It was shared by, uh, it was shared by, two phys- by a physicist with another one. They were arguing about physics, quantum mechanics. But I want to bring out the, 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 the nimshal, the, the message. You could apply it to different situations. And he gave him a very insightful metaphor. And the metaphor is about the fisherman who lowered a large net into the sea or the ocean 
in order to ascertain all the fish that exist there. And he worked very, very hard on this for a very long time, and he finally lifted the net, and he discovered uh, thousands of, of species of fish that were unknown before. This is a metaphor, parable. And he came out with a declaration to the world that his findings have brought him to the following conclusion, that there are no fish smaller than nine inches. He became the laughingstock of humanity. He is a respectable researcher and scientist who decided there's no fish when in your own dining room you have a tank with goldfish or other fish that are quite smaller than nine inches. Is he, is he, is he crazy? Is he stupid? Is he lying? And then, of course, they discovered the problem. The problem was that the holes in the net were nine inches. Because the holes in the net were nine inches, there were no fish that were smaller than nine inches. He was right. He wasn't wrong. What he didn't do is, he didn't ask himself, what are the kalim I'm using to ascertain truth? We always use instruments to define to us what is true, what is not true. Those instruments that we use, we barely evaluate. We take them for granted. Everyone has a net in their mind. That net, most of us take for granted. This is the net, and it defines reality, right? So you look at a particular person, you say, this guy's crazy. This guy's selfish, this guy's meshuggah, this person I hate, this person I love, this person I'm scared of. And that's reality, because I see it. What do I, I see it? What? There's no fish smaller than nine inches. I'm not lying, and I'm not crazy. I know I'm not crazy. I don't have optical illusions. Everything else I see is true. But one second. Is it possible that the very net I'm using is determining exactly what type of fish I'm seeing? And if I'm not ready to change the net, I will never see fish that are less than nine inches. And in my world, they really don't exist. And I will walk around the rest of my life on the planet certain that there are no fish smaller than nine inches. I could swear by it. I'm confident. The only problem is there are huge amounts of fishes. There are many, there's a lot of fish that's smaller than nine inches. I just don't have access to it. Why? Because the kalim that I use are kalim that reject and dismiss any type of, this, of information. Every one of us has kalim. Those kalim you have to evaluate. Most of my conclusions, not most, all my conclusions about everything in life is basically based on the net that I'm using to catch the fish. Because it's based on that net, it's going to be defined exclusively by the nature of that net. And if that net, whatever that net looks like, is not reevaluated or not reexamined, this is the box in which I live and I simply can't get out of it. It takes courage to be able to say, maybe my net has to be changed. Maybe my net has to be fixed. Maybe my net has to be expanded. Or in this case, the problem wasn't expanded. The problem is maybe restricted. The net got to become a little smaller to be able to get smaller fish. If you want to get bigger fish, you could be expanded. So in other words, I don't access truth. I access my truth. I don't access truth. I access my truth. And that's the beginning of all awareness. The beginning of awareness is, I never access you. <laughs> right? Somebody once said, 
I guess it's a little more cynical, but I guess it brings out a similar concept. We don't love other people. We love our version of them. I have a version of you. What does truth mean? Truth means the way I access the information. How do I access it? I access it through my net, through my vessels. You can ask him. Also on self-worth. I'm looking at themselves as well. Of course, that's the first one. The first, the, fir- the first instrument where you're using a net is how you view yourself. And that's how you view everybody else. The Zulus doesn't mean somebody outside of you. It begins with yourself. The way you view yourself. How do you change that? You have to come here for a while. <laughs> Rabbi Engel says that uh, you have to come at least 40 days. Right? Before, when he came the first time to the Shia, he was very cynical because he was sold a lot of bridges in his life, the GW, the Brooklyn, and a lot of Israeli bridges. Are there bridges in Israel? Yeah? They sell bridges in Israel? They sell tunnels, yeah? Uh, so uh, he was very, very cynical, and he decided he's going deci- to make a decision after 40 days he's, because he may be viewing it from his own net. He understood that. So he said, after 40 days, you have to make a decision. Until 40 days, you can't make a decision because, you know, there's a lot of toxicity involved in everything. It's not like this. I don't snap a finger. As I told uh, Rabbi Potash yesterday, when it comes to chitzonius, you could hop it like this. When it comes to pnimius, it's a journey. Anything that's external, you could get immediately because you're not getting anything. <laughs> You're getting a, a, an external flare. It's like when you want to make a, ca- a, a campfire, and you remember, and you light newspapers, right? And there's a huge fire. Yeah. The problem is that 20 seconds later, there's no fire. You have to get the logs on fire. To get a log on fire, you have to work for a while. You have to splinter the log. Yeah. You got to make the net smaller. So it's it's, it's this is a journey of pnimius. It's a journey. Of, no, no, no. 40 days he'll decide. Of course. No, no. After 40 days he'll decide if it's for him or not. He hasn't decided yet. You decided to stay already? Hashem told Yoyna, goes into Ninveh and says, in 40 days, Ninveh will be transformed. What, what, what's, what's our issue here? I always experience other people, including myself, through the net. And some, what if my net is very damaged, unfortunately? I will not even know it. But it's a given. This is reality. Yeah. You'll ever see on the highway, people drive. Yeah. The car in front of me, yeah, he's a kratzer. He doesn't know how to drive. Why is he going so slow? The guy in back of me is a meshugana. A tzedreta meshugana. I'm the one who's driving normal. Always. Because I'm the driver. Of course I'm driving normal. The guy in front of me does not know how to drive. He thinks he's on vacation. He has nothing to do with his life. He's retired. He's going to the golf, play golf for 20 years. The guy behind me is a maniac. Wants to kill everybody on the highway. But I am the normal one. Okay. Another interesting experiment you might do. Go to any type of Jew. Yeah. 
Reform, conservative, orthodox, modern orthodox, leftist orthodox, centrist orthodox, right-wing orthodox, ultra-orthodox, ultra-ultra-orthodox. Yeshivish, Bentayde, Hasid, very Hasidic, any kind. Reconstructionist, renewal, a left-winger, a left-winger, a left-winger, a bagel and lax Jew. And ask him, ask the, the conservative Jew, yeah? What do you think about those orthodox, huh? fanatic, fundamentalist. What about the reform, the you know, left-wing liberals don't care about Judaism. <laughs> Go to the reform Jew, yeah. What about the people on the left? They have no, they have no Jewish, they're completely estranged. The people on the right, crazy, fundamentalist. Any group, you'll see, this is the normal person. We are the normal ones. On the right, Abyssal Toit Meshiga, they take it too seriously. On the left, they have no soul, they have no conscience. How is it that every single group is the most centrist, normal way? The answer is, it's not essentially a bad thing. This is my net. This is how I see it. This is how I experience it. But everything in life is like that. that that's not a problem. The, the, what awareness happens when you can see the net, when you can see it's not about changing it as much as seeing it. I can't always change my net. But I can be aware of its shortcomings. I could be aware of its limitations, which then ultimately allows me to have an expansiveness that is completely different. To have a maturity. It's called maturity. It's called sensitivity. This is called an expansive consciousness. We always experience things through our net, whatever that net looks like for you. And therefore, if it doesn't fit into my net, it does not exist. And what if it insists that it exists? I will either run from it or demonize it. Because the fish is saying I do exist, so either I'm going to run, right? Or I will somehow demonize it. But it, we can't c- coexist. Because these are my holes and I will not change that. And that's the difference between falsehood and truth. Truth is open to humility and saying, maybe I got to reevaluate the net. But when I'm stuck, I will not do that. I will change the world just to make sure that my net is secure. And this happens constantly. People with their children will do this constantly. They decide who their children are. What if their children don't fit into that paradigm? What do you do then? Right? Some people, they will not budge. This is what it's going to look like. They will turn over the world, but not to budge from their arrogant, stuck-up, uptight box where they decided their child belongs. But you're killing him. You're betraying him. You're completely insensitive to who he is, what he needs in order to grow. You're doing it from a good place. You're not, now you're not a bad person. This is your real net. You really say these fish don't exist. If this doesn't exist, it's my way or the highway, Right? I once saw a t-shirt, I'm very easy to get along with once you learn to worship me. I'm very easy to get along with. As long as you fit into my net, it's perfect. But what if this fish does not? Could you have the humility to be able to expand, to be able to contain, or even to restrict, to be metzamtzum yourself, to be metzamtzum your net? This is a very, very important truth in life. And remember, we have blind spots. It's easy to talk about this, right? It's easy for me to talk about this when it comes to your net. 
But when it comes to my net, I can't talk about it because it's my blind spot. It's very easy for people to analyze other people's blind spots besides their own because it's my blind spot. And the blind spots could be very, very deep. This net was not created when you were 40 years old. This net may have been created when you were 2 years old or when you were 4 years old or just as a result of the limitations that people have. So now back to this our discussion here. This is one way of just answering your question, of illustrating this truth. And that is, the more gilu ha'etzem, the more helem from me. The more helem of the etzem, the more gilu for me. Which means what we call something revealed, gishmak, I get, is because the core was concealed. And therefore, I can get it. It went into Kalim that I can receive, I can contain. If the etzim would really be revealed, I wouldn't be happy because it would translate into absolute concealment. I have no access to it. I have no relationship to it. I have no yachas to it. So the more the etzim is nizgala, the more it translates into helim for the recipient, into concealment for the recipient. Because the recipient has his Kalim or her kalim, through which to contain this oil. But for that, the etzem has to be, it has to be compressed, contained, contracted. It has to come into the right keli that I should be able to absorb it. The more truth, the more truth, the more I'll block it out. The less truth, the more I like it. That's not complete helim. It's not the complete It's not complete helim. It's the helm of the etzim. Like he said, kelem are megala. They're megala. The megala chitsoini is not the etzim. And the more etzim comes out, etzim means the, the raw, raw, raw core. The, the more, the, the more helm legaba the zulus. And he says, this is a klal gadol. This is a very profound principle. This is not to criticize Kalim. It's to be aware of what a Kali is. Again, it's not about changing things. It's about the awareness of the function of everything and its limits. And when you know its limits, you also know its stumbling blocks. In the case of the net, what is the oitis and what is the Kalim? the case of the net, the fish are the oitis. <laughs> right? Especially gefilte fish. <laughs> The fish are the oitis, and the net is the keli. I mean, I'm just giving a very physical illustration. The net is, is how you makabel the fish, right? How you detect, you catch the fish, and here it's a gechapta fish. But the same is true. In, the same is true in uh, in every every single experience. I once saw a letter, very moved many years ago. I don't remember it verbatim, but it was very extremely moving. It was a letter in in the 1970s in Coney Island in Brooklyn. There was a hospital with a special section. It's probably still there. They had a special department for children with special needs. And uh, they had every day, it was a government-sponsored uh, program, and they had everyday prayer. In the 70s, when the tension between church and state accelerated in this country, so they, they, they canceled. They canceled it because you can't mix in religion into a governmental institution because of the separation of of what's called church and state. They cancel out the prayer. I saw a letter that the Lubavitcher Rebbe wrote to the president of the hospital, or one of the 
directors, the person who was in charge there, about the children in his in his department in his hospital. And he wrote something. I, just, I saw it many years ago. I just remember the Teichen. And he said that kids with special needs, and this is all types of special needs, whether it's autism, uh, Down syndrome, uh, various forms of retardation, or, or difficult development, various challenges in their development that don't allow them to function like others. He said, these people, these children, are very isolated people because nobody understands them. It's very hard for people to communicate with them. But it's not, he says, that they don't have the full human soul that everybody else has. It's just they don't have what we would call the kalim, the vessels to express who they are. Which is why in English you say about certain people, he's not normal, which means he's not normal. I look at you, I expect that you look at me. Yeah, I shake your hand, you give me your hand. We have ways through which we define peers, colleagues. I could speak to you, you could speak to me. I could listen to you, you could listen to me. It's basically the five senses. We look at each other, we listen to each other, we make eye contact. We, we don't even realize we take these things for granted. When you have these children with special needs, you can't communicate with them. You speak to them, they don't answer you. For whatever reason. And the full experience of what is going on inside, we still don't know. We know a lot, we know more than we did know, we knew in the past, but still we don't know. But he said it's not that it's not there. They have a full, rich soul with a lot of experiences. I just don't have a way of accessing it. A regular child, what we call a regular child, let's call a regular developed child, I have a way of accessing his or her personality. I ask questions, they ask questions. They complain, they cry. They quetch, they laugh. I give a candy, they're happy. I don't give a candy, they scream. I mean, there's ways of, of, of figuring it out, and that's called a relationship. With these children, he says... Nobody knows how to have access. You want to speak, they don't answer, right? Doesn't look like they're here. You don't know when they're here, what they know, what they don't know. But he says, really, it's all inside. So you imagine how lonely they are. Because there's a full soul, a full personality, with a lot of richness, with infinite richness, but nobody in the world can relate to it. Why? Not because it doesn't there, because we don't have the tools, what we would call the net, to detect it. I don't have it. I, 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 I know you because you... You look at me when I speak to you and you answer me. You nod, you don't nod, right? We get into an argument, we don't get into an argument. That's how I know you. But if I don't have those tools and you don't have those tools, so you're completely isolated, I'm completely isolated. So imagine the emotional agony that exists. There's only one entity that they know that fully understands them. And that is the one who created them. Because he created them. If he created them, he knows them. So for them, prayer is not just another nice thing to do. It's basically the only relationship in which they can be fully expressed. Because when they speak to people, they can barely speak, they can barely communicate. And people don't understand and they don't understand because of the, because of the, because of the shortcomings. But that's just an issue of chitzonius, of communication. We don't have the tools to access it. So we call certain people normal and certain people not normal. What's the definition of not normal? Not normal means that my net can deal with it. As That's what it means. It means that I don't understand you. I can't wrap my brain around you. I can't catch you in my net. I don't know what to do with you. So you're Meshuggah, right? And sometimes it's not a bad definition. 
but it's all based on my ability to, 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 to deal with it. And a lot of it is also fear. I don't know what to do, so I just run away. I keep to the fish that I'm comfortable with. That's what we often do. People do it with their children all the time, especially when they're teenagers, yeah? I can't deal with you. <laughs> so you just run away. The father's upstairs and he's downstairs. And there's peace in the house. Because my net is not big enough. So he says, prayer for these children is not a bizarre luxury. It's the only place of communication where they feel that somebody really understands them. Because it's the one who created them. So he says, to take away prayer from these children is an extraordinary, is an extraordinary act that really betrays such a fundamental need. And therefore he hopes that he'll, he can reevaluate this and explain this to the people how fundamental this is, how essential this is. Very, very powerful. Very powerful perspective. But what is it all based on? It's all based on that truth. It's all based on that you always have to be able to see the kalim through which you are detecting reality. Because all reality is going to conform to that. And if it doesn't conform to it, either it's threatening or it doesn't exist. And maturity and growth means that awareness. Whatever that awareness means. I expand my Kali, I'm at least aware of other Caleb, etc. All relationships are based on this. How many experiences do you have? You mentioned marriage yesterday, right? How many experiences, since you gave me the cue, so I'll follow up on that metaphor. How many relationships do we have, emotional reactions, based on how we define the other person? But the other person doesn't define themselves that way. We define that to the other person, right? Somebody grew up, uh, this is a pretty common thing, at least in some Jewish circles, somebody grew up with a certain type of mother, or a certain type of father, yeah? Elach. You didn't grow up with a certain type of mother and father? They weren't a type? Okay. I'm talking about blood type. <laughs> you grow up with a certain type of father or mother, right? This is what you're used to. This is your basic interactions, because this is what you know. Now a person gets married. For them, their spouse is their mother. Very often. The spouse says something, they don't hear a woman speaking, they hear their mother speaking. I mean, she's also a woman. But they don't hear another woman speaking, they hear their mother speaking. And therefore they define, this is what she is, this is what she means, this is what she thinks of me. She doesn't know that because she's actually a newcomer to the family. You know that. So you turned her into your mother, or you turned her into your father, you turned her into something else. You, all your emotions that you have with your parents, you now transferred to your spouse. And you could swear that it's true. I came home and this is what she said. Can you imagine? They even look alike. Of course they look alike. <laughs> they sound alike. They make the same food. They even burn the kugel the same way. You thought you're getting married to run away. You just got it again. Everything is the same. And the more, and the more you live that way, the more confirmations you have. She said this, and then she said this, and it's all in your mind. Now 20 years down the line, 25 years down the line, this is a given. <laughs> this net is not moving anywhere. This net is reality. Everybody else is moving. But then somebody else says, maybe you have to go back and 20 years ago you built a net, or maybe 40 years ago or 60 years ago you built a net, and any fish that doesn't fit in just doesn't go in. Some people don't believe that they have value. They don't believe that they're capable of being loved. They don't believe it. 
So whenever anybody expresses it, they have to be lying. Which means when you tell me that you love me, I hate you even more, because now you're lying to me. <laughs> you're trying to manipulate me. <laughs> At least if you would tell me you hate me, then I could like you. Because first of all, you're a logical person. Because <laughs> if you hate me, it means you're smart, and you know the truth. Second of all, I can trust you. Now when you tell me you love me, first of all, it means you're a liar. It also means you're stupid and dumb, because you can't love a person like me. It also means you're manipulating me. So therefore, what happens is, the person who loves you most, you end up hating most. Do you understand the tragedy of that? The person who loves you most, you end up hating most. And it's not even your fault. It's the only tools you have. This is your net. So this is, I'm just giving different examples of how life works. And I could remain stuck like this my entire life. The person who loves me most is the person I end up hating most. Because those are the only tools I have. And the more love they give me, the more I see them as completely out for lunch. Because deep down, how could anybody love me unless they're stupid, they're dumb, they're crazy, or maybe they're problematic. And the complexities of this become very intricate, and they become very profound. Can I change this in one day? No. Can I change this in 40 days? I doubt it. Can I change it in 40 years? I hope so. But one thing I could do is I could become aware of it. The moment you're aware of it, you're not a prisoner anymore. The moment I'm aware that this is going to be my reaction, when you tell me something, when you tell me that you love me, and this is my reaction, I could stop and see this is my reaction. I could see how I took it. I could, I could differentiate between truth and my experience of it. And that differentiation is key. Differentiating between the truth, what may be the truth, and the way I accessed it, the way I grasped it the way I experience it. And then I can open myself up to another truth, to another dimension, to another perspective. As you expand this idea more and more and more, you come down to the basic principle. And that is that sometimes the greatest and deepest truths will translate into concealment for me when they're revealed, when they're manifested. Why? I simply don't have the kalim for it. And when I could experience it and love it, it's because it's not, the full, it's not the full experience of it. Which means this, which means this, and in this type of learning you see it all the time, okay? Uh, I'll finish with this point. What we, what we often celebrate and enjoy is that which makes us feel better. You know, when you're speaking, and sometimes I'll speak and I'll illustrate certain things about life or about marriage or about people, and a lot of people start smiling. Why do they start smiling? Because they find themselves in it, right? Whenever you're sitting somewhere and somebody says something and they're describing you, they'll ask you, they'll ask me after, you were in my kitchen for many years, you have a bug, you have a, a recorder there, how do you know what happened yesterday in my house? People feel it resonates. You're talking about me, you're talking about my issues, you're talking about, which is why illustrations are important, because you want things to resonate within a person. The only way it could resonate within me is if you're talking to me about me. If you're talking about life on Mars, I don't, we don't know much. I mean, we're trying to figure it out. That's very important, but we don't know yet much about life on Mars, even though we're getting to know more and more what the winds on Mars 
feel like. And I hope you're following that. Because sometimes it's easier to figure out what's happening on Mars than what's happening inside of you. So uh, it resonates. And the more it resonates, the more a person could be transformed by it and uplifted by it. But we have to remember that always comes from Helam Ha'atzmi. The more it resonates, it only means the more it fits in to my understanding, to my box, to my awareness. When it comes to etzem, it's the other way around. The more helem, the more gilui. When it comes to the zulus, for the zulus experience, the more helem, the more gilui. When it comes legabe the etzem, the more helem I'm experiencing is the more gilui. When we get access to deeper truth that is beyond our kalim, it's always going to translate initially into darkness, into block. I block it out. This means nothing to me. Why? Because it's not being trickled down into my kalim. So a male... I have nothing from this. So for me, this is worthless. It's meaningless information. Not because it's meaningless, because it's too meaningful for me. Because <laughs> it's too much, not because it's too little. Whatever works well with the Zulus is because you minimized it. Because it was filtered. Most of it was filtered out, and therefore, ah, this is great. The less we filter, the less filter, the more intense, the more true, the more real, the more authentic the more it translates into concealment for me. Why does it translate into concealment for me? Because I can't relate to it. My eye can't experience that etzem. So the more there's giluya etzem, the more I have nothing. I'm left with nothing. Because my net can't access it. It doesn't mean anything to me. It certainly doesn't excite me. At best, it bores me. At worst, it threatens me. It freaks me out. It overwhelms me. It may alienate me. The more the etzem becomes mehelem, the more it conceals itself, the more it gets trickled, restricted, contained. What's called helem atzmi. Ooh, ah, amachaya. Amachaya. Yeah? So when I feel, ah, amachaya, I get it. If I got it, it's not it. <laughs> I didn't get it. I got what I liked. I got what I could get. It's not it. If it's it, it would get me. I wouldn't get it. <laughs> it's different. When it comes out, it gets me. I don't get it. If the eye remains the eye outside of it, I don't get it. I get what the eye can get, which is a little trickle, which is nice. It's great. It's helamatsmi. If it's gilui for me, meaning if it's really absorbed, if it's really went into me, if it filled up my kalim, because this is what my Kaylee could get. Look at this. Seven ounces of coffee. Eight ounces. I don't know. It's nine ounces. So always trying to expand the Kaylee? Yeah. It's always the Kaylee. It's, it's the, the box. Which is fine. But that's what it is. Kol giluya atzmi. Helem lagabe hazolus. Helem atzmi is gilui lagabe hazolus. If it's really begilui. What does begilui mean? Gili means I have it, I feel it, I understand it, I experience it. It's manifested in me. It fills me up. Why does it fill me up? 
because it was diminished. <laughs> because it was diminished information. If it would be undiminished information, it wouldn't fill you up. It would leave you in the dark in many ways. I don't mean in the dark in a bad way. It would create Helen. Why would it create Helen? Create Helen because I have I have no the eye can't remain intact with this. I have to let the eye the eye melt to be able to experience that. And that's a very, very serious clash when it comes to all all spiritual spiritual growth and all spiritual awareness. The more etzem, the more you're going to feel helen. <laughs> the less etzem, the more you're going to feel gilui. We shall see. We'll develop this further. Good morning and I welcome everybody. Wonderful to have all of you on this bright Friday morning. We're middle of page Mem Zion. So, Zehu Klau Gadol. I think it's like probably ten lines from the top. Yadaita, Moskva, Tafresh, Mem Zion, page Mem Zion. The Zehu Klau Gadol, the line starts Gadol. This is the great principle. Shekol Giluya Etzem, Uhelem Lagavi Hazulus, Vahelem Aatzmi, Ukilu Lagavi Hazulus. This is the great Klau, which summarizes all that has been discussed, that all Gilu of Etzem, the core, deepest core, the essence, etzem is the essence, the quintessence, comes out, is manifested, is expressed, it translates into helam, into concealment for the other, who simply doesn't have the container, the capacity to access it. When the etzem becomes concealed, that translates into gilui, into something that can be absorbed by the other. Because, by definition, when the etzim emerges, when the etzim emerges, so that translates into Helam Lagabi the Zulus, since he or she or whatever that Zulus is, doesn't have the capacity to absorb and experience the etzim, what they're experiencing of it is that which they can experience of it, which is already the Helam of the etzim. From all of this, including the metaphor previously spoken about every soul and body, that uh, the body serves as a keli, which reveals the power and the functionality of a soul and channels it in a certain direction, whether it's the ability to think of things in a certain way through the physical brain, which without the physical brain, it wouldn't be channeled that way would be a completely different type of the same is true vision through the physical eye that as a result of coming into the body the atzmi, the essence of the oir of the soul is concealed and what comes out is the chitzonius of oir which could be expressed within the keli, through the keli through the body, where the soul without the body doesn't have that keli so it's a completely different type of ur, which is expressed in its pristine way. And in order for it to be able to uh, express itself in the body and through the body, the etzim has to be concealed so that the guf, 
should be able to contain and manifest and reveal the nefesh. So he says, all this will understand by when we speak about the divine, in the vessels of the highest world, known as the world of Atzilus, on one hand, they conceal the core of the divine light, energy, and they express, they reveal, only its external dimension. And it's not just two separate things. It's precisely when they conceal on the Eirapnimi, on the inner core, on the inner light, and the Atzmi, the essential light. Oz, it's then that Megalim they could reveal the external dimension of the Eir. Because the Atzmi has been concealed, so now they could actually reveal and bring out the external element of their lifal pu'ulasam to affect whatever f- effect we want the earth to be able to have through the keli on whatever it is, kanal benefesh, as in the metaphor of the human soul and the human body. V'lachein, and thus, nikr shemalikim. And that is why we said that in Kabbalah, Havaya is the source of oiris, and shemalikim is the source of kelim. Oir, he said, is poshet, it's indivisible, it's undefined, and it's infinite. It reflects the luminary, just like physically the ray of the sun reflects the sun and is always connected to it. Where Elikim is the source of Caleb, where the Oir becomes restricted and concealed, and it even becomes categorized and defined as Chachma and Chesed and Gvura and Tiferes, with all these definitions are come from the Caleb. So even though they reveal the Oid, as we said before, the brain reveals the Seichel, and the eye reveals the Oid of the Re'iyah, the heart reveals the Midas, etc. But that's the concept of, of Kali. But nonetheless, it reveals and it also conceals. So it's called Shema Lekim, Shubchines Midas Hadin, which in Medrash, Zoyer is called the attribute of Din, which means it's the attribute of Din and Simtsum. To restrict and to conceal the ur, which is what allows it also to become revealed in the recipient. Because if it wouldn't be the ur, there would be no room for the identity of any world, even the highest world called Atsilis, it would cease, it would cease to be. Then Simpson refers to a, a macro principle where it, it affects the whole all the worlds, and it also affects an individual? Yes, yes, 100%. As he's going to say right now, all concealments, all blockages in all of the universes, when we say Olamus, it means the spiritual worlds, the physical worlds, the mac- as you say, the macro and the micro. Every reality, these are the, Parsoyas is the, the Aramaic translation from Masach in Chumash, in Parshas Truma, we speak about the Masach of the Mishkan, right? Masach, the, in Yiddish it's the Farhang, the curtain. It's called the Parsa. The Hamasachim, the veils. Hamavdilim bein chaloylam v'oylam. Which separate between one world and another world. Meaning what makes, we say, this is the world of Atzillah, this is the world of Bri, this is the world of Asiya. What's this language? We're not talking about a physical universe where you'll take, get into a spaceship and you'll travel 
a hundred million light years and you'll bump into Yitzira. And then you'll travel two hundred million light years and you'll crash into Bria. And then you'll travel twenty million light years and you'll have a head-on-head collision with Hatzilis. These are really world's states of consciousness. What creates the parameter, the borders between one world and another world? You have the border between the U.S. and Canada. You have to show a passport. There's basically a parsa. There's a certain veil that curtails the light so that the consciousness of the new world, what we'll call the lower world, is a different type of consciousness. Because the keli of that world is a completely different keli because the earth goes through a whole new parsa, a whole new, just like if you're, if the light of the sun has to travel through a curtain to enter into the house, it's going to be a different quality. The post, the, the light that's, that comes in post the curtain on the other side is a different, it, it's still light, but it's diminished. And what if you have a very dense and thick curtain? It may completely block out the light, or to some degree, more degree. So he says, how, how would it from the worlds that are expressing Yes, 100%, of course. Is that the same idea? Yeah, yeah. That whole discussion of Maseches Chagiga is about this. Yeah, you mean Tov Kofshana, being called Rakia Virakia? Yeah. Sometimes people feel like they got to build walls between the two different. Okay. How do you translate Medesa? These are the walls that God builds. How do you translate Medesa Din here? Restriction is. Not judgment. No, yeah, Din here, I think, is the idea of, of, of holding back. Guiding a laser? Like laser, channeling, restricting, yeah. Limiting, limiting, and discipline. so forth. Right. Which, which, that's what discipline really means. When we speak about discipline, I mean, we, we hear the word Din, so we're used to, like, you know, uh, negative, like rejection. But really, when you speak about discipline, what, what, what is discipline? It means the ability to curtail to, your, to yourself. To say this yes, this not. Guide. Huh? Guide? Yeah, guide and, and often limit. Discipline is always about limits. Always about limits. And it's not always easy because you don't want to limit this, right? Whether whatever it is that you that you need a limit. So he says, and in each world itself, within limitis. Between the state of moichen, of of awareness and midis emotion. There's the, per- the curtain that separates Atzilus from Bria, which is the next world. The generic word for everything of this nature is Shema Lekim. Shema Lekim is basically the divine capacity to limit, limit conceal, uh, uh, curtail, restrict, channel the air in a way that is suitable to a particular keli, which is made up to receive, channel, and transmit and reveal this air. And of course, if you want a new world, a new consciousness, which is a diminished form of consciousness in terms of spiritual awareness, you're going to need a new type of parsa, a new type of keli, a new type of concealment of the air which will be very different in the world of Bria, the world of Atsilis, the world of Yitzira, the world of Asir. Generally, we speak about four worlds, which is Atsilis, Bria, Yitzira, and Asir. How is the word just a keli? Understand, when it comes to us, the word a keli, to receive, to transmit. But it's a word. It's Hashem, Havaya, Lekim, all of a sudden, these different words makes it a different keli. It's, it's a good question. How does a word become a keli? That's the point, that it's not a word. 
In other words, when we say Alekim, right, we know that in the, even in Halach, when you write a name of Hashem, there's Kedusha in it. You're not allowed to erase it. What, what did you do already? You wrote five letters. Uh, you wrote four letters. Like, what's the big deal? What? You took a piece of pen. You wrote, a pa- you wrote it on a piece of paper. But the point is that those actual letters are... Together, they, they have they have an energy. In other words, when we speak about Shem Kim, we're not just speaking about five letters. I mean, technically, we're speaking about five letters, but it's five letters that represent a divine uh, a divine energy. In contrast, whenever we speak about the Giluyim in Olamus, which means that which is revealed in the world, that's represented by Shem Havaya. That's why we said Havaya is the source of Iris, and Elikim is the source of Kalim. Which brings out, which brings him back to the original question. When Moshe Rabbeinu says, this was an introduction, So he said right in the beginning that the Zoyer says that Hashem and Elikim are one. So he asked, what does it mean that they're one? When essentially it's very difficult to understand. According to all this, not only are they not one, they're opposite. This is the source of revelation, of expression without limit, which means it's infinite expression, which is why you need a limited through Elikim. And Elikim represents the source, the divine source of concealment, of holding back. You could tell me both forces exist, both forces are necessary, both forces are critical, but Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Jews you have to know, and it's central, it's essential to know that Hashem is Elikim, Havayuhu Elikim, as though it's the same thing. When it's essentially, you're talking about two opposite trends, two opposite capacities, two opposite tenuos. Should it be Elikim, Hashem? That's another question. But they're the same. Instead of saying Havayu Elikim, you say Elikim Hu Havayu according to this, right? Yeah, also good question. Acha Inyan Hu, the Inyan in this is the Mipsari Echze Elikaksev. The Pasuk says, the verse says in Job, Eoiv says, from my flesh I perceive the divine. Now this Pasuk has many interpretations. The way the Balatanya interprets it, in, the, in, in, in his writings is always mipsari when you analyze your own flesh when you go into the depth of self you can see it as a mirror of the divine as he says it says in Bereshus Hashem says let's make man in our image in our visage the human the human organism the human being is carved in the divine image. This is a Gavaldic of art. So if you want to understand God, the journey to appreciate the divine comes through appreciating the self. Mipsari, when you understand the Koychus HaNefesh, the structure of the soul, this allows us a glimpse into understand the source, because the human is made in the image of Lamail, in the image of Hashem. Mipsari, when we speak about the human soul and the fa- its capacities, our soul also has the capacity 
for expression, and the capacity, koyach means capacity, koyach, potential, power, to hold back, to limit, and to conceal. So Havaya and Elikim is, of course, talking about the Creator, Hashem, but a person was created in God's image, so we also have the concept of Havaya and the concept of Elikim, Yudke Vavke and Elikim. What is it in a person's soul? The koyach, the capacity for expression, the capacity for limit. For example, the faculty, the ability of the mind, of a human mind, to generate ideas, to discern ideas, to understand ideas, to generate ideas. It originates from what's called the koyach hamaskel in the soul. You know, you'll be walking, you have a dilemma, and then you walk in the street and suddenly you have this, what we would call a brainstorm, an awareness. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? It didn't come from nowhere. It seems like it came from nowhere, but it didn't come from nowhere. It came from what's called the koyach hamaskel shebenefesh, the ability with the, the koyach within this in the, in the soul to be maskel, to generate awareness. Shu koyach hiyuli al kol mine gilui sichlius. This is a hiyuli is a uh, is a term that's used in the Rishon and the Ramban uses in the Bereshis. It's actually a Greek word. It's hylic, hylic energy in the Greek. It means a potential, a potential koyach that is then developed and manifested in many ways. So there's, huh? Primordial. Primordial, yeah. Primordial koyach. Is that the same concept as an epiphany? Yeah. Where does that epiphany come from? So you have the koyach hiyuli for all types of, 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 of seichaldike expressions. Shakal nimshach mikoyach hamaskil kiyadua. Everything comes, as is known, from that koyach hamaskil which is subconscious, it's not conscious, but when the koyach hamaskil trickles down into the seichel, which is chachma, that's when we have this epiphany, because before that it's in a state of, of unconscious, which is in the koyach hamaskil, which has the koyach to understand and have awareness in everything, but that koyach is still in a state of potentiality. The epiphany is when actually something comes out of it into our conscious awareness. Before that, it remains in the Kayach HaMask. So, so th- the subconscious? Or yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's in the unconscious, the subconscious. So this is the idea that the soul has the capacity for revelation. It's the capacity to be able to reveal, to be able to experience, if we're talking about ideas, any type of idea, in any subject or issue that we're talking about. There is awareness in everything. There is truth in everything. There is something to understand and be aware of in whatever you're talking about. Whether it's a sugya in Chesh Mishpat, or it's a sugya in Eben whether it's a sugya in Chaim, or a sugya in with this Masechta, that Masechta, whether it's in Yonim of Earth, in Yonim of Heaven, whether it's about yourself or about others. Dvar Muskel means any topic, any theme in the world. The Koyach HaMaskal has what to say about it. There's a truth there. But that awareness, yeah, sometimes I never access it. Epiphanies, Chachma, the brainstorm is always when there is a trickle, when there's a revelation from that Koyach HaMaskal into my conscious brain. I'm like, ooh. So that's the Koyach HaGilui. So could you have an epiphany in an area, say for example, the Koshim Mishpat, if you never learned it, and you, you, may, you may have that unconscious uh, yes. database, but you can't express it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you can still have the... Opinion. It's an unconscious database that has the potential and the capacity, right, 
to to experience awareness and truth in any topic on the world. So the epiphany, the trigger for it is that she would have learned Torah. That right. That, that That's one trigger, one trigger to be able to have some context. That's one, yeah. You might have heard something. And yeah, there yeah. Be some outside Something that triggers the Kaya Hamaskel to shoot forth a spark. Well, I think you're being meticulous on the term epiphany. He just means the way people use the word. Uh, I mean, epiphany, you know, is comes from religious literature, so he doesn't mean it in that way. He doesn't mean it. He doesn't. It, beca- it became it became a very common term in, in America. It's like, yeah, I have an epiphany. It's it's an idea. So, in other words, if a person studies something for ten thousand hours, yes. So that means that you're going to have more epiphanies than some of Of course, else. of course. So it, it depends on your exposure. Yes, 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 100%. boy gamkin varsech. And yet, the same soul also has the capacity to limit every flow of wisdom. Kiyodua, as is known. Very deep idea. Kol seichel any logic in the world, any idea in the world, any svara, it also needs limits to its expansion. It needs a barricade. It has to have a limit to say, you come till here and not more. Why? Because if you take any idea and you let it expand too much, the Big Bang doesn't end. The expansion doesn't end. You know what's going to happen? You're going to end up in crooked ways. It will not be truthful anymore. You know when you're driving on a highway and you say, I go straight. And you go straight, 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 straight. You know what's going to happen, right? You'll end up in Buffalo, but before you end up in Buffalo, you may end up somewhere else. <laughs> in a river or other exciting places. Why? Because the street turns. Any svara, if you take it to an extreme and there's no limits whatsoever, it will produce the most crooked ideas. Right? <coughs> Any svara. It always has to have limits, context, hagbala. Sometimes you have different ideas conflicting with each other. For example, somebody's learning something, there's a svara to say this is permissible. Or this is forbidden. If the svaris, the ideas, will not have limits, parameters, you'll never reach a verdict. You will remain forever indecisive. A verdict, a conclusion, can only come from every svara having a limit, a parameter. If every svara is taken to its full extreme, so then you remain always in a state of uncertainty which is the problem sometimes of people who think a lot and they ruminate, and every svara is, uh, every svara is experienced to its full capacity, so there's no, there's no decision-making, because decision-making, when, conf- when there's conflicting ideas, there's always very often conflicting ideas, comes from borders. He says, when there's no asbaras, the Gemara speaks about taking a shmaitz, taking a sugya, 
and bringing it down, concluding it, meaning reaching a final decision, a final verdict, in any issue of life, it's impossible. When every svara also has its hakbala, its limit. You could see its applications, its manifestations, and therefore its limits. Then you can make preferences. You could see the advantage of this idea over this one. In this case, this should be victorious, and hence the verdict should be this way. In any situation, any dilemma of life, a person has a dilemma concerning uh, how to live, how to do something, how to deal with a situation, how to deal with a difficult situation, how to deal with a child, whatever it is. You go to different people for advice, they of course give you opposite, uh, everybody gives you an opposite uh, idea with an explanation. With an explanation. And there's always truth to it. Through their net. Through their net, yes. Through their net. When a svara has a hagbala, when it has a limitation, you see its parameter. This is what it says. It put, it's put into context. Then you can see this svara, this approach, or this idea, or this awareness, should overpower this, should take precedent. For us, And only then will you actually reach a more authentic place. And you'll also be able to make a decision. You see this also when you're talking about a giver and a recipient, a mentor and a student. The mashpia must limit his ideas in order for them to be received. If he's going to reveal to him the core of his awareness, the way he experiences it, the student will never be able to receive it. He'll just confuse him. He has to sometimes conceal the very core of his message because it's, it's intense. You have to figure out what this person is capable of receiving. If it's just a game of self-expression, you can't mentor somebody. The student has to be able to receive. In order for him to be able to receive, the mashpia has to have the capacity to know not what to say, to know what not to say. And sometimes what you don't say is much more important than what you say. And sometimes the work to figure out what not to say is much more difficult than the work to figure out what to say. This is the Kayach HaGbala. So within yourself, every Seichel has to have a Kayach HaGbala. Every Svar has to have a Kayach HaGbala. If not, it becomes what he calls a Krumkite. Krumkite, we call in Yiddish, it's called a Krumakop. I don't know if you say in English a crooked head. I don't know that it works. In Yiddish, somehow it works. A Krumakop. What's a Krumakop? Sometimes you have a person that's very smart, but ultimately at some point it just becomes crooked. The Svarah here is a very good Svarah. But you take it to places where it doesn't belong. It doesn't belong. It has to have its limits. It has to have its parameters. And if not, ultimately, it defeats itself. You're looking for the truth, and it defeats its own truth. So somebody says, yeah, but yesterday you said this psak. Well, you have to know the context. You have to know the situation. You always have to be able to beat magbal everything, to give it its parameters. And without that, ultimately... What was true in one context becomes crooked and distorted in another context. Because the Seichel only had Gilui and not Hagbala. That's within yourself, within any idea. But it's also true when you're giving over. Here it's a different type of Hagbala. Here, 
Sometimes the very seichel itself has to be mugbal because the other person will not be able to receive if you just pour and pour and pour and pour and the faucet is never closed and they simply don't have the containers. You have a seven ounce cup. You can't pour in 20 ounces or 100 ounces because the cup will be left with nothing. So therefore, the mashpia, any teacher, any mentor, any giver, any form, we're not only talking about a teacher of subjects or a teacher of material, that's true as well, but any type of mashpia, spiritual information, right, psychological information, any type, any type of mentorship where you're providing a service to be able to lift somebody, to be able to educate them, enlightening them, any type of rebbe, a rashishiva, a mashpi of any form, in this area or that area, there's always the capacity to give, but equally, you have the you must have, develop the capacity to know when to to pause, when to stop, when not to say too much, because ultimately, what you will do is you will not allow them to get what they what they have to get, what they have to receive. Can't fill an empty cup in Gashmias, the more someone has in their cup, the more that they've got cup. The Gemara in Brachas, clay reikam, yeah, clay reikam, clay reikam machzik. Bemidas basavadam, clay reikam machzik, clay maleene machzik. Indeed, of course. But it has to be in a way that is relatable to them, 100%. If it's not relatable, it won't be the same. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly, right. He also has to limit his own It shouldn't expand too much. In the Big Bang, right? If the universe, the universe had to expand, <laughs> the universe had to expand according to that theory. But if it expands too much and too fast, what would happen? Huh? There would be nothing left. Everything would disintegrate. If it, if, 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 it, if it would expand too, too slow, right, the crunch would also destroy it. So the Gemara says that Shin Dalad Yud, the name of Shin Dalad Yud is Sha'amar La'oilamai Dai. He said it's enough. So he says everything, the Seichel needs to be limited. If it expands too much, it's not going to be so you have to know what to say and even in that what you're saying you have to know the limitation the limited degree in which you can give it over this means the same soul the same the same soul that has the capacity to express also has the capacity to say now it's time to stop now you're taking it to, to, to a degree you'll sometimes hear there are ideas that are motivated by the perspective of chesed, of kindness, of love, of empathy, right? Sometimes you hear uh, what you would call maybe liberal-minded people who speak about love and non-judgmentalism and empathy and kindness. To the seed of the idea not only is good, but it's noble. It's not only logical, it's, it's, it's justified on every level. It comes from a very deep understanding and sensitivity to truth and to love and to kindness. But there's one problem. There's absolutely no limit. And when there's absolutely no limit, suddenly the same truth produces the most crooked, 
non-practical results that actually become destructive. Why? Because there was no hakbala to it. There was absolutely no limit to it. You take it, and you take it completely all the way, and when there's no limit to any type of seichel, even though in one context it was extremely productive, in another one it becomes mishagas. becomes completely mishagas because the person starts worshipping the idea itself. And when you worship the idea itself, without any limits, without seeing all the perspectives and all the sides, you can't give a room, you can't give room for an opposite svar. When you can't give room for an opposite svar, so then this svarah takes over and then it could take you to crooked ways. The same is true when you have to make decisions and you want these decisions to be able to be wise. You always have to be able to see the pros and the cons, the merits and the non-merits. You have to be able to see every svarah for what it is with its limits, and then a person could become decisive. Sometimes people are so indecisive, and at the root of the indecisiveness is the inability to be able to put limits to a particular svarah, to a particular idea. He's yeah, that's what the Medrash says. Yeah? Those who are, uh, who are compassionate for the cruel will become cruel to those that you have to have compassion on. Because you start worshipping your, uh, your, uh, your judgment, your seichel. This capacity for, limit- for limiting also comes from the kayach hamaskel. From the same kayach that generates the flow of awareness. That same unconscious source in the soul, from where we have the gilu yaseichel, the revelation of seichel, of awareness, to allow us to discover awareness and truth in any topic of the world, in any issue that we have to deal with. The koyach hamaskel is what generates a flow of perspective in every issue. From the same source comes also the capacity to limit the flow. This is what's known in mystical language as chesed and gvura within the koyach hamaskel. From the chesed comes the capacity to reveal. And the gvura in koyach hamaskel is the source for the ability to limit it. Yes, that's So just as this is true in the human, this is an example for the divine, the two names. In Hashem, there's the faculty, the capacity for manifestation, for expression, the capacity for finiteness, for limitation. Both come from the oir of Hashem, just like by the person. The koyach hamaskel includes also the ability to put barricades, to obstruct, to put a stop sign on the revelation of the seichel. L'mayla by Hashem, both capacities come from the divine, from the infinite oir of Hashem's essence. Just like the capacity for gilu. Which is Shema Vaya comes from Atmos of What do we mean? From the core of Hashem's Oyer Sharia Oyer Davug Bam Moyer Rumeina Moyer Kanal Kamashakos of Makamach. 
as we said earlier in the Maimir, the light is connected to the source of light. Just like the ray of the sun is always connected to the sun, you can't separate. And therefore reflects the source. And therefore the Koyach Agili, which is Oy, comes from the Etzem. Because Oy reflects its source. The capacity, this is the Chiddush here, of finiteness, which is Elikim, comes from the same source, from the Etzem of the Oy. Just like it has the capacity to give, to express, the same source has the capacity to hold back. This is expressed in a sefer called Avodas Hakodesh. Avodas is one of the fundamental works of Kabbalah. It was authored by Reb Meir Ben Gabai in the 1400s, 15th century Spain. The Oyrein Soif, he says these words, Oyrein Soif, the infinite light, who shleimusa de kula, is the ultimate perfection. These are his words. Just as it has a capacity for infinity, it has a capacity for finiteness. If you're going to say it only has the capacity for infinity and doesn't have the capacity for finiteness, you're deleting, you're creating a deficiency in perfection. Just as it has a capacity for infinity, it has a capacity to express itself in a finite way. And this is talking what we mean by Shemalakim. This is Shemalakim is another word to capture the Koyach Agvul in the essence of Hashem. Just like the the finiteness in infinity, yes. The capacity for finiteness, which is an essential component of infinity. Because if you say it can only come in infinity, then it's not infinite. It lacks the capacity to come in finiteness. So even though you would think finiteness means limitation, that's true. But that capacity for limitation is part of being limitless. It's part of not having a limitation. Because one of the greatest limitations is that you can't have a limitation. One of the greatest limits is that you have to be limitless. That you have to be everywhere. That you have to be infinite. That's the greatest, that's one of the greatest sources of finiteness. I'm limited by the fact that I can't be limited. I'm finite by the fact that I have to be infinite. So the Avodah Sakaitish says, the oir of Ein Soif, it's Ein Soif, it's infinite. It's Shlemus. It's Shlemus of the Kula. What does it mean it's Shlemus of the Kula? It's the ultimate perfection. Just as it has the capacity for limitlessness, for infinity, it has the capacity for Gvul, because if not, you take away from a Shlemus. And that's what Shema Lekin means. So the same source, it's not that the Koya HaGvul comes from a different place. It's imposed from outside. The same source that has the capacity for infinite expression has the capacity for finite expression or no expression. Finite expression or no expression. It's the same source. It's the infinity of it. So he says, Since Shema Lekim is the essence of of Hashem's oil, of Hashem's energy, just like Shema Avaya, 
This represents the Koyach HaBligvul, the capacity for infinity. This represents the same capacity for finiteness, which is essential to infinity. So therefore, Yim Kain Muvan, this gives us an understanding. This means that really the name Elohim does not eclipse the name of Havaya. Why? Because Etzem can't conceal itself. Etzem, the core, can't conceal its own core. Just like a person can't try hiding himself by covering himself, because the cover is also him. Doesn't that contradict the ability of something infinite to do something impossible? Like the concept is in the tree falling the forest and no one's there, right? Fall. Of course, God could do anything. So how could this last thing be reconciled? We'll soon see. We'll soon see. And this is expressed in halacha. In Shulchan Aruch and Erechayim, section Tzadik Aleph ninety one, in he speaks there about covering the head for davening. He asks a question. If I want wearing a yarmulke, can I want to cover my head? So what do I do? I take my hand, yeah, and I just cover my head like this. Doesn't work. Why not? Why is it worse than a yarmulke? <laughs> I have a big hand. I take two hands. I go like this. Wonderful. May not be the most comfortable to stand like that a whole davening, but fine. Doesn't help. Why? If you cover my head with your hand, it's good. What is this discrimination against me? The answer is, Here you have the principle, it's a very deep principle, it's expressed in Allah. Etzem can't conceal on itself. The hand and the head is ultimately one. It's of course manifested in different ways. This is a head, a skull, and this is a hand, but essentially it's one. It comes from the same seed and the same egg. It's one living organism. It's one body. The brain, the head, the central nervous system encompasses every part of the body. And therefore, even though physically it's blocking it, just like a yarmulke or a hat, physically it's eclipsed. You can't see what's under my head. That's physically. But it's not called covering. Why is it not called a covering? Because it's the same essence. And one essence can conceal on the other essence... On, the, on its same essence, because that which is concealing is that etzim. <laughs> so the head is coming out through the hand too, because it's one etzim. <laughs> Even though it's a different organ in the body. Another person's hand also shouldn't work. Uh-huh. So someone else's hand also shouldn't Why? work. Why? We're all one. Is there any good in there? So you're taking the svada now all the way. Yeah. <laughs> you're taking the svada all the way. It's not a mission. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're talking here. This is soft. So this is a big soft call soft for sure. You can. No, a shirt is fine. A jacket is fine. Yeah, a jacket is not your etzem. Halachically, that's fine. You take your sleeve. That's that's different. That's like a yamaka. It's a it's a material. We're talking about the hand itself. The hand itself. That's what it says in Shachanag, a very interesting halacha. We think, what's the difference? Your hand is fine, my hand is not fine. A hand, a, a, a sleeve is fine, you take a, a, a baggage, you put it on, it's fine. You take a shmata, you put it on, it's fine. You have an Indian who have two coverings on your head. That's a different Indian. 
saying it's master on the yarmulke. You see it. You want to know if you put your hand on your yarmulke if it's considered a second market. Okay. Interessant. So is also the etzem of earning so if it's not something separate. So Bemela ain't master It can't really eclipse Havaya, even though it has an opposite message. The ain't etzem mailem a master al etzem. One etzem can't conceal over the same etzem. So in conclusion, what are we saying here? We're saying that just like by a person, the koyach ha is rooted in the koyach ha itself. That represents that above, the shema lekim is rooted in the ain soif itself. That's what Avodas Hakodesh is telling us, that it's an essential part of shleimus. That just as he has the capacity for infinity, he has the capacity for finiteness. If not, it's mechasa shlemus. And in every person, therefore, you have both capacities, and they're both essential to the very chemistry of the soul. That's why the koyach hamaskal has to have both. Because koyach habligvul without koyach hagvul ultimately could be the greatest limit. If you only know how to express yourself in words, and you don't know how to express yourself in silence, ultimately, that expression is severely, severely limited. If the only koyach of Ein Saif is to be infinite, that's a great hagbala. It's a really mechasesh lemusay. Why at the mechasesh lemusay? Because it could only be infinite. It can't be finite. The ability to be finite is part of being infinite. So you have an interesting paradox. From the perspective of the observer, the two are opposites. Infinity means you're everywhere. Finiteness means you're not here, or at least you're not expressed here. Right? You hold back. You hold back your expression, or you limit your expression. So it seems like you're limited. But from the perspective of the, of the source, no. This is equally infinite to the finiteness. You're expressed here as much as in the other. Maybe you're expressed even more. You're expressed here as much as in the other way. Because this is just expressing your ability to not express. To hold back. And that's equally, equally vital when you're dealing with anything in life. So this is an equal expression of your infinity. Again, sometimes it's a deeper expression of your infinity. To be able to hold back. To be able, uh, right, there's Vayisapak Yosef, and there's Veloyachal Yosef Lesapak. Parshas Miketz, it says, Vayisapak Yosef. It's Chengahal. In Parshas Vayigash, it says, Veloyachal Yosef Lesapak. Maybe then the Kli was there. Veloyachal, the Kli was already there. That's the difference. In Parshas Miketz, the brothers weren't ready. So by Yisapik, it's Chagahal. You're not ready yet for the information, for the light. for the light. He went to cry, but private. Everything was private. And Parshas Vayigash, Yosef Now he couldn't contain himself anymore. 
time was obviously ripe, at least relative, even though the Svasemis writes, L'yachal Yosef L'sapik is a, is a lamentation of the Torah. So the Svasemis says, the Torah just laments, like, ah, L'yachal Yosef L'sapik. We wish he could have. <laughs> it's like a daft time. The Svasemis writes. But uh, obviously there was a major difference. The difference is, there's the time to hold back, there's the time to express. And the holding back is an equal relationship. Sometimes more essential than anything else. So it's considered one etzem. It's not two separate things. Havaya and Elikim is one nekuda. It's one nekuda. This is the nekuda of how it's expressed in bleak gvul, in expression. And this is the way it's expressed in gvul, in finiteness. But it's really the same core. It's the same truth. It's the same truth that has paradoxical manifestations. Here the truth is expressed through expression. And here the truth is expre- expressed through non-expression, through silence, through creating space, through creating space for the other. And that's equal truth to expression. And in, 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 for example, in the world of relationships and education, this becomes critical. That equal effect, effective communication and effective delegation and effective mentorship and any effective relationship, especially in the area of education, as much as you express yourself through expressing yourself, you express equal, you give equally through not expressing, through the silence, through the holding back, through the limitation, which allows the space for the other to emerge, to grow. Because if not, I could just drown you and overwhelm you. And then it looks like I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, but I'm actually not giving because there's nobody left. <laughs> there's nobody left to give to. So this is where the not giving becomes as important as giving. It's the essential part of giving. Because if not, there's no makabal. I just give and give and give and give and give and don't allow for the space of the other that I'm really not giving. I'm just flooding. I'm, I'm overwhelming. So that's the concept within the person, that the same source of gilu is also the source of agbala. Havaya and Alekib come from the same source, and therefore, in halacha ain't etzem master aletzem. Your hand is blocking your head, but it's not really blocking your head. And the reason it's not blocking your head is because what is blocking? What is blocking is the head itself. It's one etzem. So therefore, one etzem can hide another etzem, because the etzem is emerging through that too. My head emerges through my hand too, because it's really one organism, so it's not really blocking. Even though physically, it's blocking it. But the concept of Hester doesn't exist here. Why? Because it's the thing itself. If it's the thing itself, so ultimately it comes out through this as well. Does that arise? Seems like it's not. We'll, 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 we'll get to that. We'll get to that. When you go into the mikveh, when you go into the mikveh, yeah. There was a year, his name was Ibitcham Asmid. And uh, he was killed in the war. So he would go to the mikveh. He didn't like to be without a yamak even for a second. So he would go into the mikveh with the yamak. <laughs> and he would keep it floating on top of him. He would go down and when he came up. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. So, I get to Shaila. Hopefully, one day we can get there.
Yeah, that says in Svarim, yeah. Some This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.